Ah, welcome back to the BRFCS podcast. This is episode 100, and I'm sure you'll agree when you listen, it's really rather a special one. Today, BRFCS has had a day out. We've been down to the Senior Training Centre at Brockhall for a little look behind the scenes, and we're going to share some of the things that we've seen and heard with you on this special BRFCS.com episode 100 podcast. You're listening to the BRFCS podcast, the only podcast approved to cover the 2018-2019 season by the New York City Rovers. Don't forget to check out www.brfcs.com. Well, this is quite exciting. I've just parked outside the Senior Training Centre at Brockhall because today BRFCS goes to Brockhall. We've had a special invitation to have a look behind the scenes and I'm going to go inside now and hopefully waiting for me will be um, Ryan Grant. Let's see. So here I am. I've just arrived at the Senior Training Centre at Brockhall to be uh, greeted, met and greeted, in fact, by uh, Ryan Grant. We'll ignore that slamming door in the background. Ryan, thanks very much for allowing us a little peek inside at Brockhall. No problem at all. More than welcome. So what have you got lined up for us? What's happening down here today? Well, the players have just finished training. They're in the canteen at the moment having their lunch. And um, so while they're doing that, I can take you on a little tour around the uh, facility, which is, I'm sure you'll agree, an unbelievable one. Absolutely. And... Um, and then we've got a special guest for you for the interview for your podcast. Fantastic. Well, we'll not reveal just who that is yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing that immensely. So uh, let's have a look around Brockholm. Thank you very much once again for giving us this, this privilege and access. No problem. Thanks, Ryan. It has to be said, the Brockhall facility is excellent. We were shown the indoor artificial pitches, the physio rooms, the pool area, and many other things besides. It really is a tremendous facility that the club has got. Um, at that point then, it became apparent that we had an opportunity to interview a player. So we said, yes please, and we moved inside to where Ryan had set up an area, ready for some iFollow interviews later on in the day. I'm absolutely delighted today to have a special guest on this episode of the podcast. It's none other than Rovers, Dara Linnan. Dara, thank you very much for joining us. It's much appreciated. No problem whatsoever. I'm glad to do it. Excellent. Thank you very much. What I'd like to do is to try and get some kind of insight into the life of a professional footballer, and particularly for you. So what was it like as a kid? When did you first realise that you were any good as a footballer? Well, um, my two brothers had me out since I was two years of age, kicking a ball off the wall and out my local green. And then um, I actually started playing competitively when I was four years of age against under sevens. So I played under sevens for four years, well, three, four years. Um, so I was always playing a year above um, for, for a very young, from a very young age. Um, and then when I was with my local team in Dunboyne, I... Uh, I don't know how many goals I scored, but I was, I was scoring an awful lot of goals. And then um, my brothers moved to another club called Belvedere, who were kind of like a north inner city in Dublin. Yeah. Um, and then they said probably my progression, if I wanted to progress even more, is probably to move to them because they're they're a stronger outfit and in terms of getting trials and being widely known as a, a kind of a very good football club in Ireland. Yeah. Um, they're probably the team to be with at the time. So um, I moved to Belvedere when I was about ten. Um, and I stayed with them till I was 16, 16 before I moved over to Blackburn so from a very young age like I said I was two years of age probably even younger um, my mum and dad always tells me when I was two out in the green playing with people so that's 
has been there. So there was no pull of uh, the traditional Irish sports. It was always football for you, was it? A very at the very beginning, I played uh, football at the start um, until about seven I start playing Gaelic seven or eight I play Gaelic so I was kind of I don't know the opposite way around really because most yeah. young lads at home would play Gaelic first and then go into football um, but I was always football obviously a big United fan growing up Yeah. Um, Kevin Moran fan? No, I don't think I was that I'm, I'm more of a Roy Keane fan more of a Roy Keane well, he fan he knew the Kevin yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so um, I think Kevin Kevin Moran is uh, Kevin Moore and I call it you call it Kevin yes, Moran yes, yes. Um He's a bit past my time now, but it'd be yeah, more right. Right, Kane growing up and the likes of David Beckham and stuff. That's that they'd be more of uh, the people we looked up to. So, when did you first hear of interest from Blackburn Rovers, and were we the only club that was chasing you, or did you have a choice? So, a year before I moved over, actually, I'd um, so I moved over when I was seventeen. So I got off. I signed my contract when I just turned six, seventeen. Um, but a year before that, I was offered contracts at Derby and Middlesbrough. I don't okay. know if many people know that, but. Um, they just weren't right, um, and I was doing. Um, I was going into so we we have a, a similar to A level. It's called a leaving cert at yeah. home, so it's the same. You have two years at A levels, which is kind of fifth and sixth year will be the years for your leaving cert. So uh, my mum and dad said the contracts there aren't giving you much of um, kind of stability for the future. So they said you're better off doing a year anyway. If you're good enough now, you'll be good enough in a year's time. Yeah. Um, do your study in school, um, and see what happens. Um, so I turned those contracts down and then I moved and um, then I, I uh, continued on with my um, studying and then I think I went my first trial I went to Blackburn would have been that September after turning down contracts come July let's say like June July um, I went to my first trial in Blackburn it wasn't the best of starts considering I had food poisoning so I missed three, <laughs> I missed three days um, three days training out of a possible four or five or six so it wasn't the best hustle start, and I remember thinking I hadn't with another lad off my football team came over me at the time, and I was like, "Geez, I can't wait to get home," because I just was felt such such yeah, homesickness yeah. in in terms of being away from your family, being sick, physically sick. Um, I just dying to get home. Were um, you in digs at that time then? I stayed in I stayed in the Avenue Hotel, which is just oh, across course, the yeah. road from um, yeah. across the road from the training ground. And then they brought me back. Um, I must have done something, okay? Because they brought me back, had a good shot and a um, good look at me. I think it was November time afterwards, one of the midterms. Could have been October, November. Um, I did. Um, I didn't do great personally, personally in the training sessions. But then we had eleven v eleven match, um, and I remember I scored two goals and I set up two goals. So what position were you playing? I was playing centre midfield. But right. I, when I was at Belvedere, I was kind of more of an attacking midfield, scoring goals. I think the season before I moved over to Blackburn I scored 42 goals that season so I was more (laughs) (laughs) just chucking hints to him I know but uh, so you work your way backwards effectively basically yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, next Raya needs to keep his uh, his toes on but um, I know don't get me wrong it was um, it was a great year before I came over um, and like I said I trained that week I done well in the game and then um, at Gary Bowyer was the reserve manager well the academy manager at the time with Terry McPhillips um, and St- Sam Allardyce was the I think Sam Allardyce was the first team manager then Yeah. Um, and then come November around December January time they said yeah we're looking to offer you a contract and funnily enough as Blackburn said that I was doing well like I said I scored an awful lot of goals from my local team back home um, then an awful lot of clubs started kind of taking interest but Blackburn were the one team that I only I went on trial Whereas I had contracts coming away from other clubs without being actually on trial, so I was like Blackburn assigned me for the right reasons. Yeah. 
um, rather than kind of let's say oh, some young lad's doing well for a local team you have yeah, to yeah, sign them yeah. up um, so and what, it, what was it like then when you first moved here who who gave you the emotional support that you needed bearing in mind you were away from your friends and your family um, well at the time it was actually okay because there's quite a few Irish lads because um, obviously the likes of Damien Duffy first came over and um, Blackburn had a good kind of set up with the DDSL yeah. which would be my kind of local team and yeah. it'd be kind of renowned for being the best league in Ireland um, and Blackburn kind of had a good link due to the fact that they wanted to kind of get the next Damien Duff so they uh, they we signed an awful lot of Irish lads um, before me um, so that kind of helped in a way and then my parents obviously and then we had house parents um, called Harry and Sue who helped, helped an awful lot but like I said I had um, I had my leaving cert to do as well I, I, um, so I did my first my first year my leaving cert from back at home um, and Blackburn organised uh, private tuition over in England okay. um, to get my final year done yeah um, it was quite football and wise. It was probably one of the toughest years of my life due to the fact that I was I got a double stress fracture in my back. Um, so that happened within five weeks of signing for Black. Signing five weeks of moving over. So that would have been brought bringing us up to around August time, um, where I got the news that I'd be out for the guts of nine ten months. Um, so day fever was the physio at the time, and he was brilliant. He said, "Well, do you want to go back home for eight weeks because right. with a stress fracture." You're, just rest, you just rest. Yeah. you can't do anything but rest um, so I went back into school afterwards which is kind of weird saying goodbye to everyone in the gym <laughs> and being back a couple of months afterwards it's me yeah um, they're like Jesus I thought we got rid of you um, but yeah so I went back for eight weeks um, so I, I kind of kept up with that and more that was probably the most, during that time was probably the best thing I've ever decided to do because more so like I had something to do rather than being stuck in a physio room yeah. I kind of had other focuses yeah. um, as well as kind of try and get my back right um, so like luckily I got I got my grades and I got what I wanted so I'll always hope, touch what I don't need to I don't need it um, but at least it's there in the it's background there, yeah. so in terms of playing ambitions what what's what do you think is, is your ultimate goal then internationally and at club level what would you like to achieve Prem, Prem, before you retire Premier League um, and hopefully it's with Blackburn. Yeah. That's um, obviously we've had a kind of turbulent couple of years, but I really feel that the club is stabilised and um, we've got the manager's probably been the best manager I've had since I've been here. Um, and I feel that the way we're going, we we sh- we should be very optimistic that should happen in the next whether it's this year, next year, or the year after. We just don't know, but um, everyone at the club are quite optimistic that we will get there eventually. And internationally. Um, well, I obviously said, like, growing up, it was my dream to play for my country, and thankfully I played uh, for my country during the summer. Um, but obviously that was a friendly, and, like, if you got if you're with your country in the European Championships or a World Cup, that's, that'd be the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, we all know how hard it is to get to tournaments, whether it's the Euros or World Cup, so um, you never know. Um, things in football can change quite quick, and fingers crossed we can, we can do well in this European campaign. Um, over the next couple of months, and uh, we never know it could get there. Feels a bit like there's a changing of the guard in the Ireland team right now, and looking to bring three more younger players, so that hopefully will give you an opportunity to, to flourish. Yeah, without a doubt, um, they're trying to bring up kind of more uh, youthful players. Um, but I keep saying, I've said it in different interviews, that um, Black Blackburn's a bread and butter. At the end of the day, you have to be doing well for Blackburn yeah. to even get in with a chance of getting called up into the Irish team and that's what I'll be focusing on from from day in day out is doing my best for Blackburn Rovers yeah. and whether it comes to Saturday or Tuesday hopefully win as many games as we can So from a fan's perspective we like to think that we're influential and that we make a difference to the players when you're playing to what extent are you in the zone 
and to what extent do you actually hear stuff that's sung or shouted at you, whether it's positive or negative? Yeah, like there's times where, um, especially in uh, Ewood, because um, we always have like we kind of shoot into the Darwin end and um, in the first half, and then we do the opposite end at the end, uh, second half. And usually, like when you feel on top in the second half in particular, you can just feel the crowd behind the goal. I think, come on, and then like it kind of transfers onto the pitch, and then the boys get a little bit of an extra, just a bit of energy, um, and that really does help. And especially like I was in Swansea the other day, and I was looking up to the fans and thinking, fair play to them coming down to Swansea on a Tuesday night. Is, Absolutely, like it's hard enough for us coming back, but I can only imagine what is it. They're working. Yeah that day or whether the people more than likely I say people took hours off work to come to their game so uh, not only myself but the team coaching staff everyone really appreciates what they're doing um, every Saturday Tuesday or whatever it is Fantastic so in terms of uh, your career ambitions we've talked about those at what point will you start to think about life after football are you already contemplating taking coaching badges or do you see yourself moving in a completely different direction well I've actually started a degree um, in the last month a sports science degree because okay. um, they're great initiatives at the PFA um, that kind of help you out so I'm, at the moment I'm actually teaching in my first couple of weeks of doing the sports science degree um, I always had in the back of my mind that I need to kind of because I think too many footballers think well there's no kind of transition period whereas I, I'm one of them was like I get bored too quick so I need to be kind of going when I'm, I'm finished football I want to be going into something Yeah. Um, so I found that um, if I get started do something to degree whether it's four or five years um, of distance learning I think that will greatly benefic- uh, benefit me in the long run well hopefully you'll be here for at least another 10 or 12 years playing for us that would be fantastic hopefully touch wood yeah, yeah, yeah hip, with, hip injuries notwithstanding <laughs> yeah yeah so last question then uh, a question that I posed of Danny Graham when they did the, the live Q&A which is you're allowed one fantasy match before you retire it's your last ever match you can play for whoever you want from whatever period against whoever you want whatever period in whichever stadium you can choose play for whoever I want yeah so it could be the 1974 Dutch team not that you'll remember them because you're way too young I would have played for a Champions League final 99 when United won the treble that moment and obviously the two goals because that's that's probably the first match I've ever remembered yeah clearly um, and if I was a part of that just to see I'd say it was to score two goals in the last couple of minutes yeah in the Champions League final that's I don't, don't and then think he could have been on the pitches like David May, even though he didn't actually play. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be me. Yeah, that'd be me. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for giving it. No problem time, whatsoever. Much appreciated. And, I hope uh, you enjoy. Thank you. All the best for the rest of the Cheers. season. Thanks very much. Cheers. It was at this point that um, Tony Mowbray came down to be interviewed by the I Follow camera crew, and so we had a listen in and we stole some audio. Okay, uh, Tony, so first things first, uh, what's the uh, news on the injury front? I think it's still a bit early, to be honest, to, to see. I think um, I think it's probably best at this moment to say that we've got a few knocks and bruises and... Um, but nothing too serious. There's no serious injuries out there, I don't think, from the other night. But um, we did a very, very light training session today. Um, we'll have a look tomorrow and we'll see what we think and who thinks they'll be ready to go again at the weekend. And you speak about players being ready to go again when perhaps they're not fully fit, as we've seen in the last week. So how pleasing is it to have a squad like that that's so ready and willing to uh, 
go out and give it everything when they're perhaps not feeling that 100%? Yeah, I think I think that's... Um, I think when you've got a good squad of players and a, and, a, a, um, and a group that sort of drive each other on from within the dressing room, I think it's... Uh, it's important that um, when they're needed, that they generally uh, put themselves forward to play. I think I think modern day football is uh, slightly different from 20 years ago. I think, um, but I think this group particularly are, are driven from within. We've got some big characters in our dressing room, and and um, I think you know, they know the importance of, of first and foremost staying in the team because there's some competition out there now for, for the squad to. To play, and so once you're out of the team, um, it might be difficult to get back in if the, if the results you know, were, were to be good. It's uh, so, yeah. I think I'm not too concerned about the injuries. I think um, I think the players know that, as I say, there's competition, and be careful about finding yourself out of the team because you might find it difficult to get back in. And uh, speaking of players, perhaps looking to work their way back in, um, we've seen sort of Jacob Davenport making a few appearances for the under-23s. Ryan Nyambe were expecting to be pretty close. How far off are they? Do we think from a first-team start? Repeat. I think Ryan's been out a shorter period than Jacob really over the piece, so Ryan will be closer than than Jacob. I think. Um, and yet it's good for Jacob to, to get back into competitive football. I think he's, he's been training now for a few weeks and uh, he's had a few run-outs. I think he's... Um, I like what he does. I think he's, think he's economical with the ball. He's mobile around the pitch. He, um, he's got a competitive edge. So, yeah, he, he's not that far away either. And yet, we'll, you know, we'll wait and see whether we feel as if there's another game on Monday for the 23s. But there'll come a stage where he's played a few games and he's been training for a couple of weeks and he'll be knocking on my door and saying he thinks he's ready to to be um, considered for for the first team. And uh, looking ahead now, obviously it was a tough result to take on uh, Tuesday night. What sort of reaction have you seen from the squad in the dressing room in today, just in the training sessions? How do you think they're looking in terms of coming back from that? There are, um, I think they've shown over, over the last 18 months probably a bit longer that how resilient they are really I think they've um, been a long long time since we've lost back-to-back -back games and that's really shows a resilient team that uh, doesn't like losing football matches I could feel that in the group today in our, in our breakdown analysis of, of the other night um, yeah we, we'll look for a reaction on, on Saturday it's obviously it's not an easy place to go to um, despite their result midweek against Derby um, it might even make it tougher to go to after a result like that. So, um, yeah, we should look forward to it, as we did when we went to Stoke and, and we and Swansea, you know, applied ourselves very well for long, long periods of that game. And uh, we'll try and do the same on Saturday and see if we can get a positive result. You look at the uh, the fixtures we've had this week, obviously starting at Leeds, good result. Uh, Swansea away, perhaps not as good a result. And now West Brom as well. You look at that run of games, how big of an indicator can this week be as to how far this side can go when you look at those calibre of sides you're playing against? Well it's good that we are playing against them, as, as we, you know we talked about we had a run of Villa, Derby and Stoke I think, which was tough on paper for us and we came out of that okay. Um, it was great to start with three points against Leeds in this run of games. Um, as I said I think for long spells against Swansea we were very much in the game, pretty dominant first half. Um, 
game ran away from us a little bit. I mean, they've got some quality players who could hurt us, and, and ultimately, you know, one twenty-five yarder came back off the post and went in. Um, you know, and a couple of goals when the pitch got a bit stretched and a bit longer, they, they, they scored some good goals. So, for us, not to get too downbeat about losing a game, it's going to happen this year. It's how we react, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to the challenge of West Bromwich Albion. So. It's a, it's a great club with big fan base, uh, been in the Premier League only last season, so um, it's a big test for us, they've got a you know, big squad and uh, one that we should look forward to the challenge, look forward to going there and seeing how good we can be and hopefully get a positive performance and a good result. You say it's going to be a challenge, uh, do you have to look at this as perhaps an opportunity given the run of results, I mean took quite a beating off Derby last night or do you have to be also wary of the potential response from them. I think uh, before Derby, I think they scored the most goals of any club in the league at home, particularly five straight wins. Um, I think we have to put it into perspective, really. That you know, this time last year we were probably heading off to Oldham or or to Bury. Now we're going to West Bromwich Albion. It would have been playing Man United or Everton or Liverpool this time last year. So. Um, Let's put it into context. It's, it's just the next big challenge for us. They will be hurting, I think. Um, lost a couple of games recently from looking really, really strong, but that scoring goals for fun, I think, scored the most goals in the league at home. Um, so a tough test for us, but, you know, and we, I'd have to say, felt Derby's quality. We, we got out of Pride Park with a nil nil, but um, yeah, they were pretty dominant on the night, and so we knew how good Derby County could be. Um, so let's go and see, let's go and test ourselves, let's see um, how the group is tomorrow regarding fitness and um, I'll spend a lot of hours this afternoon watching West Brom's games over the last month or so and we'll try and pick a team tomorrow morning, put it on the grass, see how we look and then go to the Hawthorns and uh, find a performance hopefully the weekend. And of course, for you personally, it's a trip back to a, for, a former club. Um, I think it's the first time you've been back, am I right in saying yeah, that? I think so. And obviously you spent three years there, so for you, um, how do you look at that? Do you look at it differently? Is it something you think about much in the build-up? No, to be honest, it hasn't really crossed my mind, to be honest. It, you're so focused on the previous game and the, today is about the breakdown of that game and going through some pieces um, as I said there, the, the next four or five hours for me will all be about studying West Bromwich Albion and then trying to put a game plan together for the for tomorrow um, and then we'll turn up and see how we get on but I know it's a you know a Premier League stadium, a Premier League atmosphere um, I had a wonderful time there I think uh, it was my second job in football I'd started at Hibs and had a good time at Hibs and um, West Brom came calling and uh, we had a few trips to Wembley in a playoff final and an FA Cup semi-final we, we managed to win the championship um, I had good times there I think you know, the, the relegation from the Premier League was almost a normal thing for West Brom in that period of their history up and down, up and down every other year um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a great time at West Brom. I think um, I think you know the, the fact of, of um, the Wembley appearances and, and, and the winning their first championship in, in 88 years was was important. I think for the club and uh, and for me, yeah, it was it was a great time. 
a lot of support and um, I look forward to going back. Lovely. Thanks, Great. Tony. Cheers. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Paul. You too. Thank Take you, care, buddy. So we now find ourselves at the Rovers store where there's a, a player signing taking place. So Ryan, how long are the players going to be here and uh, how many people are you expecting? Uh, yep, you're right, change of scenery. Um, yeah, the players do plenty of these. It's easier, you know, after a match day midweek. Um, so Charlie Mulgrew is over at the Brick, the community building, over the road as well, doing his bit. Uh, they typically do an hour to an hour and a half. Um, but having seen these events before, they can go on. I won't say it too loudly because <laughs> Reedy can hear me. <laughs> Just in case the players are looking yeah. forward to have some time off this afternoon. But they can go on for hours. Um, but luckily we work with a great group of players who are happy to do things like this. Um, so they could be in for a long afternoon. <laughs> well, it's, uh, just to paint the picture here, it's uh, it's quite a misly day. There's a, there was a queue outside the Rover store, but they just opened the doors. There seems to be plenty of enthusiastic youngsters here. And there's one or two older people like me who look <laughs> quite enthusiastic as well. So behind the table we've got Richie and Harrison. And they are posing for photos, signing autographs furiously. So this is really, really terrific stuff. So at this point, the iFollow team uh, interviewed Harrison Reed. So again, we eavesdropped. Yeah, still very positive. Um, like you said, it was a bad result for us on Tuesday, but there's a, a lot of positives to take from it, uh, especially in the first half. Before we stepped our game home really well, and it worked. We went into the break at 1-0 up. Um, unfortunately, they obviously got a goal at a good time in the second half, and it sort of uh, changed the game. So looking forward to Saturday, and we're going there with a positive uh, attitude and so I'm with Harrison Reid. Harrison, what were the biggest differences uh, being here compared to being back at Southampton? Um, I won't say there's too many differences. Uh, obviously I'm up north rather than being down south. The weather's a bit colder. Um, but no, I've stepped into a, a great team with huge team spirit and a willingness to work for each other and go out there on a Saturday and a Tuesday and fight for the points and fight for the fans. And I'm uh, really proud to be a, a part of this group. Fantastic. In terms of playing regularly, how important is it for you to, be, to get regular game time? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, you can do all the training you like, um, but all the stuff that you learn, you really learn in game situations and how you adapt to them um, and think on your feet. And obviously being a part of this group, we go out there with a game plan and it's sticking to that game plan. And um, any manager will tell you he wants players that can go out there and give their all and fight for the points and um, stick, to, stick to what we've worked on in the week. And uh, hopefully I'm doing that. Well, you've certainly become very popular with the fans already. I don't know where you're aware, but one of our podcast panellists has christened you the uh, Ginger Ninja. Uh, so, Jen, that's for you. So, uh, thanks very much I think for you. I, I think I might have seen that one on Twitter, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's doing the rounds. So, yeah. uh, welcome to Blackburn Rovers. Your efforts are much appreciated. And I think you're already making a very positive impression on the fans. Thanks Thank very you. much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, So there we go, that's the end of our BRFCS goes to Brock Hall and Ewood Park as well for that matter. It's been a tremendous day and I've really enjoyed having a look at what goes on behind the scenes down at the Senior Training Centre and seeing some of the tremendous activities that the club does in the community these days. Uh, big thanks of course to Ryan Grant for uh, arranging this, it's been an absolutely superb time and I hope that you've enjoyed the output that we've produced. Big thanks also of course to Dara Lenahan for, for doing the one-on-one -on -one 
player interview but also for Harrison Reed, just giving me a quick uh, two minutes there in the Rover store in between signing autographs. So um, time to set off back to uh, sunny Sheffield, and um, I hope you enjoy listening to this special episode of the BRFCS podcast. Home, James, then. Let's set the sat-nav for sunny Sheffield. By the way, massive thank you to Joe Bamford, uh, BRFCS forum member, and his band The Symmetry for providing all the incidental music used in this episode. I hope you'll look them up on Facebook, and if they're playing live near to you, well, go and see them. We'll be hearing more from Joe, hopefully in a regular item, later on in the season. (laughs) 